Welcome to the Inclusive BC. Today I'm speaking to Nick Grossman. Nick is a partner at Union Square Ventures, where he leads investments in crypto for the firm. Union Square Ventures is a leading venture firm that has invested in companies like Twitter, Stripe, Coinbase, and many more. Previously, Nick led an incubator for startups at the intersection of cities and data at Open Plans. We talk about his journey to VC in crypto, investing in collector DAOs, the future of VC, the USB anti-portfolio, and much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for coming on, and I'd love to start with your background and how you kind of find your way to venture capital. Yeah, sure thing. Um, it's great to be here and, and happy to talk about it. Um, I don't know that anybody has a super straight line into venture capital. I think a lot of people come from a lot of different directions. Mine was not a straight line uh, at all. Uh, I, I started out my career uh, working in urban planning. Uh, I was always interested in cities and how cities get built and designed and changed. Um, and my first job was working at an urban planning consulting firm, like helping cities you know, um, design public spaces. Um, but I was always interested in technology and design and products, just like I was interested in cities and places. And um, through a bunch of twists and turns, I ended up really focusing more of my career on, on the tech side. Um, I was a self-taught developer. I did a lot of work with um, like local small businesses and startups doing um, web development. Um, eventually ended up in a leadership position at a, a tech company in New York that was uh, doing software development and, and sort of media focused on urban issues and urban infrastructure. So it was kind of the connection of my two interests. Um, I did that for about seven years. And during that time, uh, I learned a lot about open source and open data and kind of the, I guess, the politics of technology uh, in addition to, um, you know, the the mechanics and, and issues in running a company. Um, and, and after doing that, I ended up uh, working at USV. Uh, and my initial role at USV was not focused on investing. It was actually focusing more on the policy implications of startups and tech companies, um, just as kind of like a side project. And, um, you know, over a period of time, I, I got more and more involved in the operating side of, of the fund um, and the portfolio. Um, and, uh, as USB got more interested in crypto, uh, this is going back maybe 2012, 2013, um, I realized that crypto was a kind of a amazing intersection of all my interests too, because it's, it takes the public infrastructure of like digital platforms and reshapes it as sort of an open public democratic you know, system as opposed to something controlled by a single company. And so that was conceptually like really this joining of um, my interest in cities and places and like governance process and open technologies and like the internet. And so I really got drawn, uh, drawn into that as, as we did as a firm um, and have been pursuing, you know, that line of inquiry among, among others uh, for the past 10 years at USB. That's super interesting. Yeah, it, I, I think it's such a different, I guess, journey. As you said, everyone has quite a different journey, but I, I guess urban planning to, to VC is quite quite interesting. I, I think it is. Um, and I guess I think of, well, interesting and, and some maybe different. Um, 
I, I kind of think of all of it as public infrastructure, right? The streets that we drive on, the trains that we ride on, the, the power that we use, the utilities that we use are not that different than the switches and routers and packets and databases and apps that underlie digital lives. And so, you know, for me, it all kind of blends together as like uh, physical world infrastructure and digital world infrastructure um, and, you know, looking for opportunities to build new and interesting and good things on top of it. Yeah, I, I think I'm getting ahead of myself here, but with, I guess, your urban planning experience, how do you see DAOs and, and how they're kind of functioning right now? Yeah, um, DAOs are fascinating, um, you know, and, and crypto in general, it brings a sort of a democratization of governance to technology platforms and that predates DAOs and, and DAOs a very flexible term. But if you think about a DAO as a group of stakeholders, you know, governing a technical system, um, it can be formed in any way. It can be formed to look like a company. It can be formed to look like a representative democracy. It could be formed to look like a direct democracy. It could be formed to look like loose chaos. Um, and so I think there are many, many structures that can be implemented using the DAO. What's interesting is that you can implement any of those structures natively on chain, um, which just, I think, opens up a lot of design space. Um, you know, I. I think you could argue, people do argue that, uh, you know, uh, the financial side of crypto is just reinventing finance and using different words and that the kind of group organizing uh, part of crypto DAOs and governance is just reinventing the same governance concepts that, you know, were the bedrock of like politics uh, over the last, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And I think there's some truth to that. Um, to me, I think the just what's getting everybody so excited is that it never was possible before for some a group to manage a technical system um, that wasn't that where that group wasn't either a company with like you know a closed corporate structure or like a really loose affiliation of contributors say around an open source project with no economics and no like binding stake. So I think it's just kind of fascinating that there's this new space in the middle of those two things. Um, so I'm excited, I guess, yeah. um, but there's a lot to figure out. <laughs> no, for sure. And, and I think as, as far as I've seen, USV is invested in about three DAOs um, right now. Can you talk about, you know, uh, if an investment in a DAO, how it is different from an investment in a company and, and how you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think there, we're still like figuring out the, the, the right way of describing the landscape of DAOs, but DAOs fall into a couple of different buckets. There's DAOs that look more like investment funds. There's DAOs that look more like, um, you know, sort of protocol governance. Um, there's DAOs that um, look more like companies where they're building a product. Um, and so we have, we are members of each kind. Um, and if you just take those three kinds, um, and and the, I think the protocol DAOs and the product DAOs are kind of potentially very similar. And then there's also ones that look maybe more social. So there's there's many kinds. Um, I think the you know we're we're part of um, collector investment DAOs like Fingerprints and Flamingo, um, and those are they resemble investment funds 
in that the, act, the main activity is, okay, let's build a thesis and let's go acquire some assets and um, be smart about what we acquire. Um, it goes beyond what most funds do though, because there's all kinds of activities around activating those assets and building you know, experiences around them and you know, culture around them. And so I don't, I don't think it's right to just think of them as investors. Um, and then on the product and protocol side, you know, I think there are DAOs that will sort of resemble companies building products, whether those are really wide open protocols or more narrowly focused products. Um, and I think the, you know, in, in each case, there's a question of like, what's the best way to organize people to get the most benefit out of the DAO structure as something different than a, a traditional corporate structure. And I think that's still in the super early innings of getting figured out, but I think our, I guess our thesis on, on starting to invest in, into DAOs directly is both this feels like the future and we want to understand it. So we want to be involved, we want to be hands-on. And also I think there are going to be opportunities to unlock broader coordination, participation, like community involvement, whatever you want to call it, leverage, you know, in a project through this, through this format that, that feels I don't know about obvious, but that feels like the promise and, and we're excited to explore that. Yeah, and, and you you kind of compared some of the investment DAOs, right? And USV has made a handful of investments into crypto funds earlier. Yep. Is there a similar kind of thinking when, when looking at the more investment DAOs and, and being an LP in funds? Yeah, it's a great question and, and uh, an astute observation. You know, we are not, our mandate is not to invest in funds. Um, our mandate is to invest in operating companies. Um, and that's you know, generally what we do. Um, in our 2016 vintage fund, uh, we made five investments in, in crypto hedge funds and, and venture funds. Um, and that was as there was this explosion of um, investing in tokens. And our sense was that there's a new set of skills that is, is emerging among managers who are figuring out how to invest in tokens. Uh, we want economic exposure to that and we want to learn from folks who are really all in deep on that. Um, that I think was a very timely and good decision at that time. Um, and, uh, and then now in NFTs uh, and with sort of collector DAOs and NFTs, it, it feels kind of similar where, you know, this year was a breakout year, the end of last year and this year in terms of NFTs and their cultural relevance um, and the sophistication of teams that are growing around to, to, to buy and hold and, and collect and cultivate these things. And you know, the level of depth and sophistication and know-how in, in these collector DAOs is, is just stunning. And, and so it's, it's kind of the same story where we, we want economic exposure. We expect and hope that there's a lot of economic opportunity there. And we also you know, want to be there to learn from the folks that are you know, really doing this in a deep way. So, uh, you know, who knows if we'll keep doing this in the future as, as, a, as other sort of moments click, um, but it's been, a, it's been a, a reasonable strategy for us so far and, and still a relatively small one, you know, in comparison to the whole fund. Yep. Okay. No, that's a great point. And I guess now being part of a, a handful of these DAOs and, and, you know, experiencing how they work, do you see any limitations or certain things that you're looking for, maybe from an investment point of view around DAO infrastructure and how things can really get better? That's a, a really good question. I don't think that we have a 
fully formed thesis yet on all the things that you know are, are needed or you know should be built um, lots and lots of teams are building DAO tooling around um, knowing who's working on what how do you reward people um, you know sort of reputation communications um, kind of managing funds in a more elegant way um, how to handle decision making in a more distributed and scalable way um, I don't know that there's there's yet a playbook that is there, there absolutely is not currently a like a single playbook and I think a lot of teams are building a lot of pieces and I think over the next you know couple of years we'll start to see the, the ones that really seem to click for different use cases um, you know as a as an initial observation, um, it's it can be hard to parse everything that's going on in a chaotic, busy DAO, especially if it's a, a big a big one with a lot of more casual contributors. And and so I think um, making these things work is is going to be the process of harnessing that scale for benefit while like cutting figuring out how to cut the noise. Um, in a in a reasonable way, and also I think another vector is about how do you form trust in a group that is more transient than other kinds of groups, where you know people are coming and going. It's not a company where someone's necessarily making a long term commitment. It's not a, an investment fund where you know there's an eight year vesting period. You know, as a GP in a venture fund, um, and I think that's that's another interesting challenge to solve. So so lots of challenges, and I don't I don't know if, if, what the answers are yet but I can't wait to see. Yeah, but I do think like your, especially your background with urban planning would be a really interesting way to, to look at some of these things and see how it relates to, you know, real life communities and cities. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you do there. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm, I, I'm excited about it too. And, and I, I kind of suspect that it will be a lot like local government where, you know, there's a handful of people who really have the time and effort and, you know, dedication to like participate fully um, and deal with the, you know, hassle and the headache and the angst um, and all that. And then there's gonna be a lot of people who do, don't wanna do that and wanna, you know, just be a citizen and not, not a politically active citizen. And, um, you know, I don't think we've figured out how to do local government in a really good way in the United States in a couple hundred years. And so maybe, you know, it may take a couple hundred years to get DAO governance right too. Yeah, no, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I wanted to get your thoughts on, I guess, venture DAOs specifically. And, you know, there's always a lot, lot of talk around how they would impact traditional VC models. What's your opinion around that? I mean, I think, um, Venture DAOs have a lot of um, a lot of things going for them in that the people in them are really close to what's going on, and so I think there's a, a real sense of what's relevant and what's important, uh, access and you know connection to emerging opportunities, ability to be there early. Um, I think there um, there's going to be the the existence of more venture DAOs is definitely going to put pressure on the overall funding ecosystem um, and you know make it probably harder for everybody including vcs and, and including other DAOs, um, to put big checks you know to work into opportunities 
Um, we're already seeing that, you know, play out. Um, and then in, in a lot of ways, I, I think venture DAOs probably will have some of the same um, challenges to scale as venture funds, which is as you grow in size, um, you, there's more pressure to put more money to work. Um, the decision-making process on how do you do that can get a little bit more complicated. How do you, you know, the process of building consensus, um, you know, decentralizing the ability to invest and make decisions versus bringing everything into a big committee. Um, these are, you know, just like we were talking about a minute ago, you know, DAOs are kind of inventing, reinventing governance. I think a lot of venture DAOs probably will end up rediscovering a lot of the challenges in traditional investment funds in terms of how to organize them, you know, effectively, uh, especially as they grow over time. And, and this is one where, you know, the VC industry is constantly, you know, changing on, on its model on how to do that too. It's an unsolved problem generally. Um, so I, I don't know, I, I, I welcome them. I want to um, be work alongside them and, and invest in them and, you know, learn from them. And I think they will um, be an important part of the funding landscape going forward. Yeah, no, fair point. And taking like a small step back from crypto, and talking about USV in general, I've seen that USV makes, you know, a handful of investments every year. Um, how do you, you know, end up doing that? So what are the key things that you're looking for when you see all these opportunities to come to like that conclusion of, of these handful of investments? Yeah, so um, it's hard because we see a lot of like good things, especially now, um, the pace of of quality opportunities that we see is, is kind of astounding. Um, the way that we've always approached this is uh, to have a, a thesis that we stick to um, and, and refine over time. And uh, that we try and use that both to guide us as we go looking for opportunities and also to help filter out things that, that do and don't fit. And, and over time, our, I think we've had pretty good success using our thesis to, to quickly be able to say, this is interesting, but it's, it's not for us, you know? And, and we have to be co totally comfortable that this approach means that we will say no to things that are like perfectly good, if not fantastic investments, but aren't the kind we're looking for and get comfortable saying no to those, you know, all day long. Um, that's, that's like been pretty important for us. Um, um, and at the same time, you know, right now, I think if you ask, and maybe you ask this question to, to all the investors, it seems like everybody's pace is picking up. Um, um, and I think it's due to the effect of Zoom on um, fundraising. Um, it's just opportunities come faster, deals get done faster. And so where we used to have a month or two months to evaluate an opportunity and meet a team in person, um, you know, now maybe you have a day or a week or two weeks, you know, if you're lucky. And, and again, back to what this means for fundraising, it means that it's easier to get money quicker. Um, it can be a little harder to sort of test out a relationship, you know, uh, in the process of, of making a match. And so that has definitely sped our pace up. I think it's probably sped everybody's pace, pace up, uh, even though we continue to try to, you know, be deliberate and, and apply that thesis that we've always applied to everything. Yeah. So with that increase in pace compared to, you know, previously taking a few months and, and building a relationship, how do you come to that conviction to make, you know, quicker investments? 
so the the for us it always we can always go the fastest when we've done work on a category um and so if an opportunity comes in that's interesting that's within thesis um but it is outside the it's not an area that we've done dedicated kind of thoughtful research on it doesn't mean we won't do it but it, it it's harder for us to immediately jump on something whereas if there's a say a category that we've identified previously and spent time trying to understand and landscape and and come to a more sharpened point of view on the kind of thing we're looking for there then when we see it it's like bam yes easy and you know that happened last week um on the bill that that we committed to that you know as we were talking to the entrepreneur uh and re and like understanding it better it all of a sudden we're just like oh my god like this clicks like this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing that we've you know that have all been the things that we've been looking for in this category and it was like the easiest yes you know ever so sometimes that happens that way um but usually only when we've had a chance to do work on a category you know prior to seeing this specific opportunity right and, and then within crypto, the work that you've been doing, is there something that you're looking for there? Um, it's a great question. Uh, we've been we've been spending a lot of time on um, sort of down infrastructure, uh, I think for obvious reasons. Um, we're still, we're making investments there and we're still developing our, our thesis around that. Um, you know, we, we've been spending a lot of time uh, looking at uh, identity and authentication uh, and all the infrastructure around that uh, as Web3 becomes more mainstream. So what is it going to take to get um, wallets into the hands of the next, you know, hundreds of millions of people? Where's that going to come from? What are the pieces that are necessary to make that really smooth and good? Um, so that's, that's been a big area of focus. Um, uh, one other one that's a little more different, but but I think interesting is we also have a, a, a climate, a dedicated climate fund, and we've been uh, starting to look more closely recently at intersections of our climate thesis and our crypto thesis. So as an example, um, there are a lot of efforts to represent carbon credits on chain and use those as collateral, you know, in DeFi and other things like that. And that, that feels important to us. Um, and so that's one where you know, we've been kind of glancing at it for a while and we're starting to look more, you know, more thoughtfully at it. So, uh, and then as we kind of get one or as we get these ideas kind of shaped up, you know, over to, generally speaking, we like to make one or two, maybe three investments along each kind of general, you know, sub theme. Okay, that, that's very interesting. And, and you guys have gotten comfortable passing on, on some great opportunities. Um, I guess just an interesting question is, uh, what does the anti-portfolio look like? Are there some highlights? Um, well, I guess if you, there's a couple of different ways of looking at the anti-portfolio, like things that we, you know, wish we had invested in, but didn't. Things that we, we pass on because they weren't in the thesis that turned out to be huge we don't even really count that as anti-portfolio because if it's outside of our thesis, it's outside of our thesis. That's um, fair, yeah. You know, the classic USV anti-portfolio was like Airbnb. You know, we were in the pole position for the, I don't even know if it was the seed or the Series A back in like 2011 and didn't see it. Um, you know, we passed on Uber uh, at the Series B. This was us more in the web to like mobile era. Um, 
I don't know if we've done a lot of work to, to look at an anti-portfolio in crypto. I mean, so many things have, well, so Solana maybe, I guess, like we, we had plenty of opportunities to invest in Solana early on and, and, and didn't do it. And, and that has turned out to be, you know, a grand slam, at least from a financial perspective uh, so far. So, you know, uh, I, I think there, are, there will always be misses and um, we try and design our, uh, our fund structure and our fund sizing such that it's okay if we miss things that turn out to be really big um, as long as we get some of them. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. <laughs> what is a secret obsession of yours that not many people know about? Oh, good question. Um, you know, the one, this is maybe not that interesting, but it is the, I think the, well, I'll give you two. Uh, one that's maybe not that interesting is sleep. I've just been super fascinated with sleep lately. I'm wearing an aura ring, which I've had for about a year um, and reorienting my habits to like sleep better and feel better when I wake up in the morning has been, has taken up a surprising amount of my attention. I got I guess is, uh, and then, um, that one's kind of standard VC style, you know, quantified self garbage, but, uh, uh, I love boats. Maybe not everybody knows that about me. I have a little sailboat. I love, I've always loved being on the water and, uh, uh, whenever my kids and I play 20 questions in the car with my wife, uh, the joke is that I always, uh, mine is always sailboat. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love both of those. How often do you manage to get out on the boat? Uh, a fair bit during the summer. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and, and finally, what's the latest publicly announced investment you've made and, and why did you make it? Oh, good question. Um, publicly announced. We have a, a ton of stuff that's, that hasn't been announced yet. Um, I think the, well, uh, one that, that we made a couple months ago uh, was in Dune Analytics, um, which is a crowd, crowd-powered uh, analytics platform on, <clears throat> on top of the blockchain. Um, it's an amazing community of people who are um, building queries to analyze and understand what's happening out there in crypto. And the thesis there was that, you know, there's just so much going on in so many directions uh, that it can never hopefully be captured by any kind of central editorial, you know, entity. And that the only way uh, to possibly make sense of it all is to harness sort of crowd power to do it. And they've built this just incredibly vibrant community of wizards building charts about every new thing that happened in crypto. Um, now they've launched a newsletter that's kind of shed some light into it. And like, it's, um, you know, it's been amazing. Got it. No, super interesting. Um, but that's, that's all I had, Nick. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. And I had a great time talking to you about all this. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Nawaz. I uh, really appreciate it.